This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Well, hey, good stuff. Well, hey, today's kind of special because I have another veteran on. Um, and thank you very much for your service, Melody. And I love having other veterans on uh, on the war room just for the simple fact that uh, we band together and we can band together in business. Heck, we chew dirt and who knows how many places. It's hard to say uh, if you and I were in the same combat space at one point in our time, probably were. Um, but anyway, glad to have you on the show. And Philip, it's all you, my friend. Okay, great. Ah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Melody. No, it really is a pleasure. And I second the notion. Thank you. Uh, I have family that was in the service, but I personally have not done so. And I've seen what it does. So to be able to reacclimate to society and then go a step further and succeed as an entrepreneur, double, triple the accomplishments alone, right? So just adding to that, let's take let's take a peek at where I think it makes the most sense. Uh, and I think I know the answer to this, but I, but I, I want to make sure I get it from you. Melody, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Actually, I for my immediate family, I you know, I want to say first of all, thank you, War Room, for having me, Jason and Philip. This is a true honor. As a vet, we do enjoy giving back now that I'm on this side of the table. And I'll call it the next chapter. So the next chapter is an opportunity for us to give back. But coming from humble beginnings in Panama City, Florida. Uh, no, I am breaking glass ceilings when I say the first to retire from the military in my family, um, my immediate family, that is the first to get a graduate degree. And then, of course, now the first to launch a business and, you know, just succeed. Um, some people like, you know, we can only measure success by our own um, opinion of success. And so I will say I've broken a lot, a lot of glass ceilings up to this point. Oh yeah, yeah, and I and I anticipated that just based off a little bit of the research I did prior to jumping on the call, and so I got to ask, what was the driving force? Was it a survivorship situation internally that was driving you, or you, they say there's people that run from something and people that run towards something? Which one of those were you? It started off as running from something, uh, not wanting to be, you know, stereotyped and stay in uh, the below poverty line. Uh, so part of it was running from that category so that I can't attain success and uh, prove or I guess debunk different myths associated with being uh, raised in the projects. And, you know, from my grandmother's house to my mom's house. And then, you know, we stayed in uh, what they would call affordable housing, uh, which is still, quote unquote, the ghetto or the projects. And, and so with that being said, it was running from poverty, but now it's more running towards a destination of uh, it became that through mentorship and speaking with the career counselors in the uh, in the army. 
And in speaking with my career counselors, I was that one that raised their hand every two years and say, I would, uh, oh, I'm going to just re-enlist for like, you know, because you enlist and then you continue. And then when it got to 10 years, it's like, you're going to be indefinite. So it was like, okay, that's the major decision that you have to make at that 10 year mark. And with that being said, it was like, let's make a career of this and have that you know, that security, but it was what I miss now, even on this side is that camaraderie, that teamwork, that because the military is a microcosm of society. So I miss that family dynamic, you know, and all of the wonderful relationships that I have, you know, I could go to different states and have a place to stay because of the relationships that we, uh, the relationships that we established in the military. Uh, I love this. I love this. I, I have an idea of where I want to take this, but I want to make sure I, I give Jason the floor as well in case he has anything he wants to say here. Well, I always said this, the military, uh, it's a journey. It's not a destination, right? And it's uh, it takes a very unique person when less than a quarter of a percent of our population ever retires from the military. It's so small, such a small group of people. And it almost makes you wonder, because when you look at, you look at like veteran owned companies, how often do you find a veteran owned company that's not successful? So it's, it's, it's very seldom, right? That's not to say everybody that comes out of the military is worth a crap, right? But, but I would say the major majority is in every veteran business owner that I've ran into over the last six years, they've all been highly successful, highly motivated. And it's just, you just do what it takes. If it takes getting up at four o'clock in the morning and uh, moving out every day and getting it done, that's what you do. And that's drive. That's passion. That's wanting to get there. And that's getting there no matter what the hell it takes. Right. So and the good um, part okay. about what you're saying is it's what's a troubling uh, thing that I heard during a workshop a couple of days ago is that it's difficult for recruiters now to recruit for uh, millennials to Generation Z not wanting mm. to come in the military. So they're finding it a problem with getting people to come in now. And so but when we were coming through, you know, our journey of development, the military was the other option besides college or a vocational school or trade. So you had those different, and we've always had different pathways, but this pathway leads to, you know, there's so many ingredients from the leadership core values to discipline, perseverance, uh, the mental toughness, the character building, um, just so many different good quality leadership traits that we attain in the military selfless service. That's why when these organizations that I built relationships with the military now as military friendly companies, that pipeline of getting military people to transition into those jobs is you're going to have someone dedicated and loyal, and it's going to show up. And that's part of the, you know, half the battle is showing up. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad you went into all that because I was going to ask, are there any things that carry over from service into entrepreneurship that really make a huge difference, almost an advantage? Uh, and I think you outlined some of those. Are there anything else you want to add to that? Uh, for for me, it's like being an active learner because the military does send you to some phenomenal leadership training throughout your career. 
And that leadership training, it undergirds or underpins everything that you do post-military life, whether you retire or you just transition out after your four years or however many that you do. So a lot of those traits, you can take those skill sets you could take with you into the workforce and from either workforce or entrepreneur, whichever pathway you want to pursue, you have the advantage and you are enough. And that's the message that we as coaches and leaders are sharing with people that we, you know, consult with or counsel or coach is that you are enough. What you have in this, that personal development. And, you know, Jason mentioned it, that drive, that wherewithal to say, I want to succeed. I want to achieve something. And uh, we just stick to it no matter what. Oh, man, what a software to have in you as an operating force to be able to go from there. So now, Excel Mill, tell me, how does this come into the picture for you? Is it right after you retire? Did you try a few things and then go there? I tried a few things. I retired. I pursued my education and I was fortunate. And I share that with other people on different podcasts that I've been on. My husband also retired a year before me. So we are both military uh, retirees. And he was a year prior to me. And we, we you know, developed a strategic plan that he was going to retire first. I was going to retire next. And then when I retired, you know, retiring in the DMV area, District of Washington and Virginia and Maryland does make a difference. I mean, because you already have the, you know, the base of the government right here. So that led to a little bit, you know, easier, softer landing, if you will. And so with that softer landing in the DMV area, it was like, let me just pursue my education finish my graduate studies, again, another milestone that I wanted to achieve. And with that being said, it was like, okay, I'll do something that's a little less tedious because coming from a high tempo, supporting both President Obama and uh, President Bush at the White House Transportation Agency uh, was a very rapid tempo. We traveled all over the world. Um, anytime during campaign season, wherever they are, we are. It's, uh, and so I like to tell people that it was such a privilege and an honor to serve in that capacity for the years that I served there. And I was exposed to a lot, a lot of information, of course, it's classified, but uh, top secret that is. And so with that being said, I kind of lived a dream life. Um, in my latter part of the military years. Uh, so it was a wonderful experience. And then now on this side, it was like, okay, get your education. Something that one of my sergeant majors instilled in me, uh, which is a senior, very senior leader in the military, for those that are not military that may be listening. And so they instilled in me, you know, you can always take your education with you. And we kind of heard that from our childhood, right? So with that being said, was get an education. I did something a little less uh, strenuous. I did, you know, um, Notary Republic, which is a public office that you serve in. And you can also do loan documents uh, for mortgages. And so that exposed me to the real estate industry and our mortgage industry and how that works by going in and doing that for a little while, which was just a little less stressful while I was getting my degree. And then we moved into entrepreneurship with the company Excel Mill, where we empower teams to excel. And again, it's about learning. It's all things training. And the root of the word is excellence because I believe in doing everything in excellence. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I can see the way that trail falls through. And this, this was 
easy to close clients that way? Or were like, because I know you got your offer down and you knew it was going down, but I imagine you had to go to war now and you had to actually be in the trenches and hear the no's. And I'm sure all the training prepared you for that. And I think this is the part where a lot of people, even someone like myself included, seem to seem to, this is where the battle is either won or lost. <laughs> How did you overcome that? Actually going into Gulf War, right? So if you want to trace it back to Desert Storm when I served and and deployment, uh, part of going in the military is the high probability, and it's not even so high because we have multiple multiple campaigns going on even right now, is that you are going to deploy somewhere into a foreign country on a different continent and support uh, what we stand for as a nation. And we're fighting not only for our, you know, our protection, but also the diplomacy and uh, freedom for other countries, our allies. And so going there at a young age, I was in my 20s, so that was real young. Um, It's an experience that you don't forget. Um, I'm, you know, fortunate to have came back uh, in a state of mind where I could still function, you know, and I had my health, but I was in the medical field at that time. And, you know, yes, we saw, you know, Iraqis that had expired, service members that had expired. I was processing their uh, personal effects, uh, part of the job that I had to do. So you're seeing blood, you're seeing amputations, you're seeing gunshot wounds, you're seeing and taking the personal effects while they're being uh, triaged by the physicians in the surgery, surgery, surgery unit. And and so with that being said, it does take a toll on you after you see that on a continuous basis. And so, yes, did I, I still have, like we say uh, in the DEI space, which is another pillar to our company, is that there are people that have invisible wounds that you do not see. So they're both the visible and then there are the invisible. And, and so in the invisible part of it, yes, you know, service disabled vet, service, you know, connected disabilities, but those disabilities sometimes are invisible. And it's because of the trauma of listening to the mortar rounds and running to the bunker, getting out of the bunker and seeing the explosions and seeing the all that blood on a, a continual basis. And uh, and then when you hear other instances here in our country, our very own country, like 9-11, those are triggers. And those triggers are really real. They're real experiences that we experience. And many of us still have those flashbacks from different war campaigns. But what makes a difference when you are downrange, as we say, is that you have a team that you trust a team that you built and established a strong relationship with that, again, they're like your brothers and sisters in arms. And they are because it's all you have when you're there. And so fostering those connections and those relationships are critical to your mental health and well-being so that you could stay in the right frame of mind to get up and do it again the next day and to get up and do it again the next day until you redeploy back to the States. And it's an adjustment. Um, things are not necessarily normal again after you've been downrange. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's it's easy to take a no from someone who doesn't want to apply for your services after going through something like that. Uh, <laughs> move on to the it, next. It, it, it's resiliency. That's one thing it does build up. <laughs> it builds up that resiliency, and you don't take things so personal. It's, it's not that we're still a robot, it's that we could deflect it 
just like the body armor that we used to wear, you can deflect some of the uh, arrows and the gaslighting and some of the other things that takes place in the workforce because you've dealt with stuff that's just much more severe. I mean, just hearing what you said tells me so much about how I may have overlooked the importance of teamwork and, 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 and team members and leaning on that. You know, I come from a generation of, of people who are very individualistic and fail to see the power of team. They might be on social media a lot and play, you know, crews and networks. But when it comes down to in-person, like one-to-one, it's something that I think in particular millennials truly suffer from. This is just speaking from the generation. And, and I can see the difference because I look at people that I that I work with that I'm lucky enough to work with, like Jason and, and a lot of people in that group, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and yourself, including here in your story. And, I, and I'm beginning to see there's a big difference in the mentality. And I know that the younger generation coming in is also different where they're actually able to marry the digital world and that that relationship, friendship, teamwork. So I'm in the middle of there. So it's so important to hear a story like yours. This is just me bringing it back on how you can leverage that to really help you get up again. Because we're talking about mental health and, you know, they may have never seen war, but they, and, you know, that's a valid reason to have that. It's even, it's even worse when there's no valid reason and you don't know why you feel this way. And it's because it's lack of trust, something that you truly pointed out that to me stood out in a huge way for any young leader would be leader. I don't know if Jason wants to add anything to that and bring anything on that or you yourself, uh, Melody. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, when you look at, I mean, leadership's a big topic. You could talk about that for hours, right? But mm-hmm. but you, you really start to break down the power of team. And, you know, it's like being able to duplicate yourself over and over and over again, right? If you do it right. I always tell, uh, you know, my staff, the people that work in, in my company, they don't work for me. I work for them right? Um, Why? Because they're the ones out there. They're the conduit to the client every day, right? So having that effective team and people that love what they do and, and uh, you know, they're not just there for a paycheck. They love what they do every day. It's not just clock in, clock out, right? It's, It's truly being that cheerleader. And when you build an effective team around that, around anything, not just business, sports, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It makes no difference what it is. But if you build a really effective, high-functioning team, you can't lose. You just can't lose. Bingo. You're building high-performing teams. That is Mm -hmm. so, you know, I want to applaud you and commend you, Jason, um, because, and thank you, Philip, from sharing the, from the lens of a millennial, because we teach about five generations, well, six generations in the workforce, right? And, and so it's important to understand the different nuances with the generations, but there was something critical, and you said lack of trust. Well, you're not going to trust someone that you don't know. And when you actually sit down and begin to have conversations and strategic team building activities that are geared around working in close proximity 
toward uh, with each other. I know that they have uh, some a myriad of different activities uh, as far as paintball and different offsites mm-hmm. and you know uh, corporate retreats, you know offsites that you can go on to establish that. You know uh, there are different rappel courses at certain universities where they're actually cultivating those activities for teams to be able to go and learn how to do decision making together, work together. You know, and then you get to see the strengths of everyone on the team. And then you get to see the areas where some people need improvement. And so something that Jason said that I want to like bring this back to is the the fact that as a leader, one of my uh, peers that I really esteem said that I could use her phrase and I borrowed it from her, even for my team, is that she is a leader of leaders. And when she coined that phrase, I was like, I'm going to borrow that because that's that spells that really undergirds what we should have as a framework for leadership, meaning Mm -hmm. it's not top down anymore. It's distributed leadership and it's bottom up. So it's kind of been flipped and reversed with the uh, world that we live in now and in most companies. And so when you can be a change agent and a champion for change and lead from behind because now you're serving the people and the people aren't serving you. The employees aren't serving you and you're working alongside of them. So our communication and our words do make a difference in how the employees or our peers feel feel in the workplace or what their experience is, which we call the employee experience, is when we come alongside and work with them, it's not for them with this superiority attitude. And so you can get, you can have a more effective team and get more done. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Can I add another yes to that? No, it's, it's really, I think, underpinning something that's really current and so needed, especially in a remote workforce world. So for me, I'm really excited that we got a chance to dive into that, but we're we're cutting close on time. So there's a few things I got to get out of the way. Rule number one is I want to make sure people know how they can get a hold of you and work with you now that they have the context uh, of understanding where you come from, Melody. So what, what channels do you prefer they follow you on? Uh, what website or call to action do you have for them? Okay, the call to action is please visit our website at excelmill.com. We also can be found on LinkedIn. You can just put Melody Gratic at LinkedIn and search me. I'll connect with you out on LinkedIn. Please follow our page. Uh, we're out on Twitter as well under the umbrella of Melody Gratic. And so we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, our website. And uh, we have some fresh new content uh, coming out. We do have some blogs and articles up there for self-development, personal development, and a host of different classes and courses that anyone can take for professional development that will give them college credit hours. Super awesome. And now there's the final question. The big finale is Jason knows this is where we wrap things up. Uh, Melody, if you could have invited anybody dead or alive to join us today here in this room, joining this conversation, whether listening or actually contributing, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Well, there is one person that has, I mean, my thing now is Patrick Austin is a retired CSM that had served admirably in a very prestigious position at the Defense Threat Reduction Agency at Fort Belvoir. He went on to lead, uh, he was kind of like second under the Sergeant Major of the Army, uh, the uh, position that he held in the military. I think he would be a great 
uh, person to have a veteran uh, with so much. Uh, I mean, he's doing really well in the corporate space now. He's retired and he has a wonderful uh, portfolio. If you look at his resume and look at, look him up on LinkedIn, he would be a great person to have on the show. Oh, wow. I love that. I love the way you use that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and invite him to the show. <laughs> I will. Oh, yeah, I yeah, let him yeah. know. I'll do the connection. I yeah. think, I mean, because the biggest thing is getting out there and getting the word out there with people. I think we need to see people that have succeeded as vets, yeah. that there is life after the military. Yeah, yep, that's for sure. Uh, one thing I always like to, the the one thing that, uh, and, and Philip, we always used to say, you know, when you'd get knocked down, right, drugged through the dirt, whatever, had a bad day say it builds character right well that's the one thing i have plenty of now is character (laughs) i don't need any more of that (laughs) and you know that's really what the campaigns and all the training and all of the different environments that we were in while we were serving and even now with you philip different environments actually help build character it's going to really, uh, ex- I mean, you're going to exemplify the uh, different environments that you've been exposed to, mm. which is a character building. You can't go anywhere without telling your story, even if you try to hide it. That's what I'm taking from this. Mm. Wow. That's true. Wow. I love it. I love it. It's been a powerful conversation. Melody Gratic, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. And as Jason always likes to sign off with. Come on, Jason, hit him with it. <laughs> Always sign off with, we got 168 hours available in the week and you picked an hour to spend here with us. So uh, time, uh, money's replaceable, houses are replaceable, cars are replaceable, but you can't stop the clock. So thank you for being here and spending a little bit of time with us and our family and uh It's very much appreciated. Well, thank you guys for having me. I look forward to listening to the rebroadcast of this. So thank you. Cheers. 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 Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advising on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.